for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome back to another live and amplified podcast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. It's an early morning podcast. It's allergy season here in Texas, so it's a double fun of how weird does Tom sound this morning, but you know what? It's all good. We have a very special guest. We have Hannah Roper. Uh, she is the is the title festival director is that fair enough is that kind yeah of that'll do all right <laughs> we got the uh, uh hannah roper the festival director of country on the coast which as i'm sure everybody is tired of hearing already i was supposed to be at next week but you know life is gonna life and here we sit so um hannah how are you doing this morning i am doing good thank you so much for having me on absolutely absolutely it was one of those things where it's like I didn't know if I was going to get a shot to have you on for the podcast. Cause every time I do like a music festival, my first question always is, is the director available to do a podcast? And usually it's like, no, they're too busy. No, they're this. And I asked Rachel and she's like, yeah, I'm sure Hannah's free. Just, uh, I can reach out to her. You can reach out to her, whatever. It's cool. And I'm like, okay. You know, so it was a very weird thing for me to do because usually it's like, the director is in like a key box and nobody can talk to him until after the <laughs> festival. So, Oh, well, I'm a very approachable director and because of all the million and one hats that I wear for the festival. Um, yeah. I always love doing stuff like this, anything to get the name of the festival out there. So yeah, always available for podcasts. Awesome. Awesome. Which I know you do your own pod. Well, you're, you wear many hats, like you said, just in general. So it's always a uh, kind of fun to just sit here and, uh, shoot the breeze about just random <laughs> things and, you know, music and all that fun stuff. So um, I, I guess the first place to start that would make the most sense is let's kind of get your background. You're from Portsmouth. Did yes. I pronounce that correctly? You did. Yes. Cool. Cause I, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine. She's from the UK. She lives in, she went to school in Bath. I'm not hundred percent sure where she lives. She lives around there. And yeah. I was just rattling off all these cities of, that I wanted to go to. And she's like, you know what? You're pronouncing all those almost correct. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's, that's good. <laughs> You've so, done your homework. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I've dove over the last like year and a half, I've been watching a lot of UK YouTube, like a lot of the U YouTube channels that would be yeah. like from the UK and whatnot. And so like all that's starting to rub off on me finally. <laughs> so, oh, uh, but yeah. Uh, so you're based out of Portsmouth. Is that where you're from originally? Is that born raised? Yes. Yeah. I am a Portsmouth girl through and through. Um, I can never, ever venture too far from the sea. And even when I went to university, I only went to the neighboring county of West Sussex and I went to Chichester um, and then came back again. So, yeah, absolutely. Portsmouth through and through. Gotcha. Gotcha. And how long kind of just start jumping right into the festival? How what? This is still a relatively new, if I've done my homework correctly, yes. it's still a relatively new festival, pandemic had something to play 
Yeah. As far as, you know, delaying it and whatnot, because wasn't 2020 supposed to be the first year? Uh, so we did the first year in 2019. Okay. So 2020 should have been the second year. See, so then 2021 should have been the third year. Um, but we had to postpone. I think we postponed a total of four times during oh, wow. the pandemic. Yeah. Um, because we were so desperate to still bring a bit of joy to everybody. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, it was beyond our control. And so our two year, our, our official second year was last year okay. in 2022. Gotcha. Um, and then this is the third year. But sometimes I get a bit annoyed because it should be our fifth year. Yeah, I completely understand. <laughs> and you know, the weird thing about the pandemic was how many festivals just completely got decimated by yeah. the festival. You know, we had, uh, there's a, usually a bluegrass festival that we go to in the Florida Keys. Mm -hmm. And the year COVID hit, I believe that was supposed to be like their ninth or 10th year. Right. And so they ended up having to cancel. And then the second year they are in 2021, they thought that they were actually going to get the festival off. So they were promoting it and all this stuff. So they spent all this money in promotion mm. and then they didn't, weren't able to get it off. And then they just never recovered after that because yeah. it's like, so I, I think having a festival that was still so young kind of worked in your favor because it was like, okay, it was just their first year. And yeah. then, yeah. So, and I think yeah. also kind of, where or like when it was located also probably helped pretty so yeah i think so and i think we you know we have great support from the venue that we use yep. we are a festival but we're we're indoors mm -hmm. um we bring the outside in so anyone that came to the festival last year will see or will, will have seen that we had hay bales inside mm -hmm. the seating we had almost barbecue style tables yes. and, and benches we were sponsored by jack daniels so we had these amazing rustic barrels that we could use as tables so it, it was it really seemed to work and it's a bit of a novelty i guess because how often do you get to go to a country music festival that literally is on the sea yeah. because we're on a pier so actually under our feet is water yeah. um and you know for the artists and for the attendees they look out the venue's got these incredible windows either side so you're on stage and you're looking out to, mm -hmm. to the solent to the sea yeah. and the beach and everything um so i think that really helped because it's got its own character mm -hmm. i think like you say the fact that it was still fairly young we're not a big festival um we've absolutely got hopes that it's going to grow but we also have to be sensible because like you say a lot of festivals are falling by the wayside mm -hmm. a lot of country music festivals have, have unfortunately cancelled for this year yeah. so i think we have to be really sensible about the size of the festival and mm -hmm. the cost of the festival to enable it to keep going yeah. through these rocky times that we have yeah for sure for sure now you brought up that it was an in that it's an indoor festival is that something that's common in the uk is that like a common thing that happens festivals being indoor or not so much for country music, I don't okay. think. Um, so uh, most most country music festivals are outside in an incredible field. Mm. A lot of the festivals that are local to Hampshire and Portsmouth tend to be outside in a field. Um, and when I was planning, so I started planning Country on the Coast in 2018. Mm -hmm. And 
I knew that there were a lot of country music festivals, none down as far south yeah. as I am. Yeah. Um, so that uh, for starters was kind of like a plus point, but I didn't want to clash with anybody else. I didn't want to have to compete with some of the festivals that were more established. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to country music, obviously in March, we have mm. country to country at the O2. Mm. Yeah. So I looked at April because April is a, is a time when people don't mind traveling spring, mm-hmm. Technically, it's supposed to have sprung, although at the moment the weather is a little bit crazy. Yeah. Um, so I thought April was a was a good month, but we couldn't risk being outside because mm. as we've seen over the last week or so, the weather in, in the UK is just, it has a mind of its own. Yeah. So I teamed up with the Gaiety, um, which is this incredible, iconic venue on the pier where my grandparents used to go to, you know, old-fashioned tea dances. And, you know, it's it's such an iconic place, this, mm-hmm. this pier. And, and this almost this old ballroom with wonderful high ceilings. It's got a great stage. It's just the right size. You can yeah. fit enough people in, um, but without it getting overwhelming in terms of ticket sales. And it just made sense to have it indoors. It, it didn't matter what the weather was doing outside. People could come to the festival secure in the knowledge that they were going to be warm and dry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's always, you know, just kind of putting that into perspective as far as being inside, knowing that the weather in April is always unpredictable, no matter yes. where you're at April. It's just kind of like right now, especially here in Texas, I feel like it's fairly similar to the UK where one week we were like, it was super warm and it was like 90 degrees Fahrenheit and, you know, just like really summer vibes. But the week before it was like, almost freezing and -hmm. it's just like you know this whole thing and then of course you never know with the rain and all that fun stuff so um so you'd mentioned that you were you started planning country on the coast in 2018 yeah was what was the and you kind of mentioned uh just there not being any country festivals this far south because obviously you got ctc in it's in london right and there's some stuff further north yeah but um what was it about country music that just kind of drew you to like, hey, we need a country fest in Portsmouth? Well, some of it started off for very selfish reasons. Okay. Um, I am a, a country music singer songwriter. It's not something that I, I don't actively perform at the moment, just because mm-hmm. life kind of takes over and, and COVID put a little bit of a stop to yeah. all of that. Um, but I was getting to the point I, I was performing under the name of Lily Garland and I was releasing my own music and I was really lucky enough to be able to perform in various places. I was going across the country, um, but it got to the point where I was struggling to juggle everything I was struggling to keep traveling and a lot of the festivals and festivals for me are a really really special vibe they're different to playing a gig they're different to playing your own gig which is amazing Mm -hmm. but with festivals you get to connect with so many other different country artists probably a lot of people that you've seen online but you've Mm -hmm. never actually seen in person so I I really wanted to go to festivals but it was becoming increasingly harder for me to travel I would have to literally take out the whole weekend 
Um, I was a mum. I was working yeah. um, because, as we know, there's not huge amounts of money in music. Yeah. Um, so I was still having to kind of keep all of that, all of that going. And also in terms of performing at festivals myself, it was really competitive. It was really, really difficult. And you had to have quite a high social media presence. You had to have a lot of, um, you know, examples of live performances and a lot of stuff that I now understand a lot more being on the other mm-hmm. side of it and actually yeah. receiving all of the artist applications. Um, but I, I found that I was just getting really tired of the travel. So mm-hmm. I decided to do my own thing, um, yeah. which anyone that knows me know that I don't do things by halves because I could have just put on a one day, could have just yeah. done a day thing. But no, no, I decided on a weekend. Um, it was just one of those ideas that just kind of came to me and I approached the venue that I still work with today. Um, and it just kind of grew from there and mo- you know, multiple moments I sit here and I think, what am I, what am I doing? Because this is, yep. it's, it's huge. You know, we've got 38 different performers mm-hmm. throughout the weekend. There's an awful lot to juggle. The marketing side alone mm. is, is huge. Um, and I, I, I do it all for the, for the love of it, because ultimately when you're in the infancy of, of setting something up like this, um, breaking even is the goal Mm. uh if you can make a little bit of profit that's amazing but that gets plowed into the next year to keep everything going so this is a this is a business but it's a long-term business thing for me that that i'm looking at the longevity of it so yeah it originated out of selfishness of not wanting to travel anymore wanting to um be able to bring all of the country music artists that i love across the uk to me rather than mm-hmm. everyone having to travel kind of midlands north yeah. and and like you say london was almost the most south most southern place um that that we would do gigs and I knew that people in Portsmouth liked country music. I knew there was an appetite for it. I didn't realize how much of an appetite, um, but I knew that there was a bit of an appetite. So it just kind of made sense. And a lot of the performers as well, a lot of the artists, you know, it's great to bring them to a new audience. It's great mm-hmm. to give them the opportunity. And that's the other thing with, with Country on the Coast. For me, it's not just about bringing the artists to the audience. It's about bringing the artists to each other. And already out of the, you know, the festivals that we've run, I've been, seen a few months later that a couple of artists who had never ever met before and now co-headlining a gig together or one of them supporting mm. the other and that yeah. to me is is what country on the coast is all about it's yeah. about bringing the love of country music together mm. and it's about networking and it's about meeting people that you connect with whether that be as an attendee or whether that be as an artist so that side of things again was really really important for me because I've been on both sides of the coin I've been the performer and now I've been the artist you know the festival director um so actually being able to bring all of that together and that's the bit that I want to keep growing I think in the future and that's really even though you say you go in for selfish you, you started with selfish reasons I think at the core it wasn't like just mm. it wasn't as selfish as you think it was because if the intent was to bring musicians together and bring good music to the to the people I'm going to say the people of Portsmouth but that just sounds like a really <laughs> weird way to word it but you know it is what it is and you brought these two things together yeah you could say it was for selfish reasons but I think there was pure intent behind it so it's you know I think we're that makes there. me feel better thank you <laughs> um, but I, I did want to mention so I, I kind of sympathize with you on a small scale about, you know, direct or putting together a music festival and whatnot, because um, about a week and a half after the pandemic hit, 
I had this brilliant idea to do a virtual music festival and anybody in their right mind would have been like, oh yeah, let's do it like three, four months down line, get this thing together. Right. I was like, no, we got to do it next week. And (laughs) wow. That's even crazier than me. (laughs) And like, and I mean, the virtual, a virtual festival is got so many other like issues that a yes. normal festival wouldn't have because it's like, okay, we got to make sure everybody's got good audio quality and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, and it was a three day festival because like you, I don't do anything <laughs> half-assed, you know, I just yep. trying to do, do it full bore. And I'm sitting there middle of day two after like the third set where people just don't have good audio. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, what did I do to myself? Why did I do this? (laughs) And so, yeah, but. And it's always, it is, it's always worth it in the end. And and I think that's that that with anything like this, but I think sometimes people don't always appreciate the work that goes into it, whether it be, um, you know, kind of a digital version of a festival, which like you say, has its own complications and its own stresses or whether it be an in-person. I think that's something that I came to realize um, almost seeing everything behind the scenes, having to deal with all the issues, deal with all the problems, troubleshoot everything, be the, the one-stop shop for, um, you know, people's thoughts and opinions and and comments. And, you know, we've been really lucky. The feedback that we've had from the festival has been amazing over the last few years. It has got better. Um, This year is a bit of a safe year in that Mm -hmm. we are repeating things that we know that worked last Mm -hmm. year. Um, And part of that, again, is a tactical reason because... People aren't spending their money as much and people yeah. aren't aren't committing to things in advance. So we have to be sensible to make sure that the festival's got longevity. But it's hard. It's really, really hard work. And even, you know, this time around, I've had people like Rachel, who's from yeah. Scarlet River PR. Yeah. She's been incredible um, in in supporting me of being my sounding board when I've then voice noted her and said, what am I doing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, helping me pick the artist because then if it was up to me, the, the the 137 people that applied to perform at Country on the Coast would have been on the stage and I would have gone, I would have made it work um, because, you know, I find it really, really difficult turning people down mm-hmm. because I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of that. Yeah. So, um, you know, all of the, these elements that almost we've, we've gone through over the past nine to 10 months as we've been doing the festival, I don't think people always realise that that mm-hmm. goes on behind the scenes and what yep. they then see is you know, the polished version of me and running around with my clipboard and looking like I'm, you know, totally on top of everything, which don't get me wrong. I am the scheduling queen and I am known for that. Um, But it's, you know, it's a lot of hard work. It's a real passion project. Um, And I think sometimes people don't, don't always think about that when they're having to hand over however much for for ticket money mm-hmm. um obviously they're having to hand over their money and they're paying for something but they don't always realize that all of that gets swallowed up so much yeah. and being able to cover travel costs for the artist the marketing like you say the um you know the decoration the staffing um of the festival so yeah it's um it's one of those things that you get yourself in the middle of and then yeah. you go why am i doing this yeah for sure. You know, it's, you brought up about uh, all 137 musicians and if it was up to you, they'd all be on stage. Yeah. And I was very much in that same boat, just in general. And a lot of things I do, it's like, Oh, we, they took the time to apply for something that I'm doing. I'm going to figure out a way to get them all in. And especially with like this podcast that just to kind of equate with the podcast and the festival, 
it started off like that at the beginning of the pandemic when we decided to go from in person to virtual like this. Right. I had 400 musicians hit me up in the first six months and I'm like, I'll get them all in. It'll be fine. We'll get it. And I'm sitting there doing three podcasts a day for four weeks and just running myself into the ground. And then I had a chat with a, my buddy who helped found uh, live and amplified with me. He's like, okay, what are you doing? I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm interviewing musicians. I'm, it's a blast. He's like, you sound like you're chain smoking. Cause you're killing your voice. You need to stop. You need to stop compromising your vision. And because I know for a fact there's four musicians that you've interviewed in the last three days that you would have never had on the podcast because they weren't ready, they weren't in the right, you know, just yeah. And he would name off a whole bunch of reasons. And I'm like, you're right. I yeah. got too excited. I need to step back and not compromise my vision for, you know. So I, yeah. I feel you there. And it is, it's, it's really tough. Cause like I say, I've been on the receiving end of that. I've yeah. been, you know, early on in my music career, I've been at the point where I've only had one single out or yeah. it hadn't even been released yet. We hadn't even got a video. And so you, you really want to get involved. And like I say, for me, country on the coast is about, bringing people together so what I do try and do throughout the lineup is we do have people that are very experienced in what they do mm -hmm. um, and we do have those that are slightly newer um, to the country music scene so we can give them that that opportunity we can connect them with with other people and the most amazing thing about country on the coast which I never even thought would happen was the international mm -hmm. um, interest yep. and I mean we had applications from um Sweden, Italy, yep. um, where else did we have? Spain, Canada, Sorry. uh, Texas, you know, Texas, Texas yep. was huge um <clears throat> in terms of, of the interest. And that that was overwhelming for me yeah. because sometimes in my head I go, Well, this is this, and I get told off for thinking like this, yeah. but you know, this is just a little country music festival. This is just something that yeah. that was inside my head, and and I'm working my my ass off to make it mm. happen. And yeah. yet there are people across the world that know about this, mm. and that's really amazing and overwhelming and terrifying, all at all at the same mm. time. But I'm so pleased that we've been able to open up spots to international artists. Mm -hmm. We've got um, Emma Svensson coming over yep. from Sweden. She performed with us last year and was amazing. And I'm yep. so thrilled that she's coming back again. And then, of course, we have our, our Texan clan yep. that, are, that are coming over, um, which is just, you know, having, you know, we've got Dusty Moats, Jake Williams, Jesse Jennings um, yep. and Brad Russell. We're just I'm so excited yep. to, to have them over. And um, for me, I have a bit of an affiliation with Texas anyway, because that's where some of my family lives. So my oh, nice. auntie, um was uh in Dallas mm -hmm. and my cousins I've got cousins in um Austin um yeah. and it, interestingly one of my cousins is coming over to the UK but not until May so he yeah. misses misses the festival by a month which is 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 gutting but um yeah, yeah I'm so excited to to have the Texan representative over <laughs> oh yeah for sure you know it was it was really funny because so my interest in country on the coast started I want to say it was, we had Emma Svensson on the podcast. When did we have her on? January, I want to say. We had her right. on like mid-late January. I think she was getting, she was in the process of releasing her latest single, uh, Runs in the Family. Yeah. And so I had her on and I've been working with Rachel since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, she had introduced me to some of her artists that she was representing at the time. And, you know, it was just 
real casual through Facebook, like, Hey, I'm a music promoter. If you need somebody, let me, you know, that whole ordeal. Yeah. Um, and so we've been working together ever since. And I think, I don't think Emma had been announced, but since I'd been following her, she got announced uh, shortly after that. And I was like, Oh, Hey, Rachel, what's this, uh, country on the coast What's this thing, thing? yeah <laughs> and yeah you know, she told me and she was like because i think right around the same time as when you announced that she was helping book talent i i don't it's been a little bit you know yeah. so i don't quite remember how it all played out but um and so i asked rachel and she was like yeah this it's this thing and as you started announcing the lineup like half the lineup is people i've had on the podcast over the last <laughs> three years and I'm but we both there. clearly have got good taste. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, if I were to go over for a festival, like I've always been talking about coming over to the UK and working with all these musicians that I've only met virtually yeah. like this. And I was like, if I'm going to come over, these are like 90% of the musicians that I know. It'll be an easy transition. It'll be great. Um, and then I started looking through the lineup and I saw you had a bunch of Texas boys on there. And I'm like, Okay, cool, cool. I dig it. <laughs> and then, then we launched this radio show and I was like, okay, this is the connective tissue because it's a country radio show and all that stuff. And I started asking Rachel about who uh, who would you guys want me to have on? Like, these are the people that I'd like to have on. And it was like Jake Williams. And I'm in the process of trying to get Dusty lined out, but he's a very busy person himself. Yeah. And you know, it, it's just really cool how it all worked together. And even though I can't make it, it'll be like I'm there in some degree. So, yeah. And, and you know, we'll put it on our socials and yeah, we will we will have your spirit there with yeah. us. <laughs> and I, I'm still I'm planning on coming next year. Like it's as right. long as I don't like really injure myself again, like that'll be that'll be the plan. So um, but yeah, talking about the international draw, that's that's what brought me in was uh, Emma Svensson was the original like introduction. And then I yeah. knew Rachel and I was just like, okay, that's cool. So. Yeah. And and that's what's, the, you know, again, that's it. It's overwhelming and exciting all at the same time. Um, you know, looking at the lineup, there are, there are names on there. Some of, performed at country on the coast before um again we try and mix it up between returners and between new new artists to the festival a real mix between solos duos trios bands um you know we try and provide as much variety as possible to the audience yep. we have we do we did introduce line dancing last year which um you either love love it or you hate it yep. but to be honest it got people on their feet it got people dancing and interacting so we're really excited to have that back and then and on the Sunday, um, kind of around just um, early afternoon, just after lunch or like a late lunch, we have a songwriters round. So what nice. we realized again from from doing the festival the first year is that actually people appreciated a little bit of quiet time and actually intentionally bringing the energy down and making mm -hmm. it a little bit more mellow and a little yeah. bit more relaxed really seemed to work on a Sunday afternoon. So so we have that as well. And yeah, I'm just I'm just really, really excited. I can't yeah. believe it's well less than a week away now until right. until it starts and right. and and then it will go so quickly and then i know what i'm like i then get really excited and i'll start planning 2024 and then about two months down the line i go what am i doing <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you said that or you brought up how quickly it all goes by 
And was it Thursday? I want to say it was Thursday. I was uh, doing a pre-record for the radio show for next week's episode. Mm-hmm. And I was, I believe it was uh, Olivia Lynn that I was talking to. Yeah. And she was telling me how it was her first festival and she's really excited and all this stuff. And I'm, I was like, just do me a fa- I told her straight up because I know how these festivals go where it's not a normal set. You have 10, maybe 15 minutes to get up on stage, get set, yeah. get ready. And then you're only perform like at a normal festival, you're only performing for what, 20 minutes, something like we that. We give everyone that 30 minutes. We yeah. give everyone just so everyone kind of has a good, good yeah. time to kind of get into it. Yeah. So uh, at country on the coast, they got 30 minutes, but still it goes by so yeah. quick. So, and so quick. I was telling her, I was like, it's, you're going to be done and off stage before you realize you're even on stage. Yeah. yeah. So just kind of take it all in go for it. Cause you know, I, I know certain musicians like to lay things out a certain way and kind of build. And I'm like, no, at a festival, you just got to go for it because you don't have that much time. Like, no. And and almost your first song is your sound check song. Um, because we, we say we have a 15 minute switch over because again, it's weighing up that balance. Do we have a longer change over time? but we then can have less artists. Mm -hmm. So do we try and fit as many in as we can and reduce that change over time, which then is also better for the audience because 15 minutes is long enough to go to the the bathroom, go get a drink, order your food or whatever it might be. And then you want to see something. Um, So I think you're absolutely right in that, you know, you get on stage, you do your line check. Your first song is your sound check song effectively then you start to get into it and then you've only really got about four songs five if you're lucky um and then that's it you're done and you're off and yeah it's definitely one of those moments just to almost try and slay things down and and take it all in um and uh yeah and, and make the most of it and the other thing that i love about country on the coast as well is we also have a lot of artists that then come you know all day Mm -hmm. Uh, some come all weekend which is incredible um and especially if they're on like later on in the evening they'll actually come around lunchtime and they'll stay the whole day and Mm -hmm. they'll enjoy themselves or if they're early on then they'll stay throughout the evening and I think that's really important because Mm -hmm. that's how you how you meet people and Mm -hmm. and I will always introduce the artists so last year I had a you know especially some of the ones that are are younger in the industry Mm -hmm. I really want to meet so and so I'm like great, let's go over there. I'm going to introduce you now. And then you're going to have a conversation with them. So, which I think is just so important to be able to connect to people Mm -hmm. because country music, especially in the UK, it is niche. It is, Mm -hmm. um, it is still small compared to the, you know, the wider music industry. So I think it is really important that, that everyone does stick together and that we go for collaboration um, because that's how you're going to keep getting in front of new people and keep growing your presence as an artist. Yeah. And I mean, just the music industry in general in the UK is really interesting. I, I It's been a little bit since I've paid attention to like the actual charts in the UK as far as mm. like music and whatnot. But when I was first introduced to the UK scene, we'll call it the scene. And they were tell or that, like musicians would post like, oh, hey, my most recent song da 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 would be like number four on the UK, whatever, like whatever the genre charts. And it'd be like right under old town road from yeah. Nas X. And it's like, that sounds yeah. like four years, you know? So like the industry in the UK is really interesting, but it's also very friendly to independent musicians yeah. because it, it gives them a little bit of exposure as far as like being able to make charts and all that stuff. Whereas 
in the US, independent artists, unless it's like a specific independent chart, you're not going to make the top 100 unless you've got a huge marketing machine behind you. And, you know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, and I think that's that, what that's that's great in the UK because it does make it accessible. Yeah. You can you can strive to achieve top five in the UK yeah. country charts on iTunes um, because it's about downloads and it's about um, you know the amount of people that are buying your music, which then yeah. obviously Apple Music, iTunes, all that sort of thing makes it really really accessible. So I think that is a real a real positive, and I'm really pleased to see more independent artists coming out and and releasing their own music. The the difficult balance is, of course, you do need some money yeah. to be able to put your music out there, to be able to market it. Um, and one of the things I started to do a blog series for um, Scarlet River PR, yeah. all about looking at um, your music career as business and actually how can you start to implement some business strategies? Because even if your goal is to just be able to pay for the studio time, you still got to make money, right? You yeah. still got to be able to find, find that income. Um, and it really interestingly, and, and again, I think that then shows the difference almost between the US and the UK and Mm -hmm. uh, slightly different in that this particular person was you know a part of a massive girl group so um jesse uh from uh little mix has Uh just released her her new single and she's done it independently she's not done it under the the banner of a record label and that to me was really refreshing when i saw that yesterday because that's a real kind of a a new direction now Mm. obviously she's got a huge huge following thanks to being in little mix um and has her own financial stability that enables mm. her to do that but i thought it was a really good step in the right direction for independent artists yeah and i mean you hear all these stories about well to talk about um like treating it like a business my but my jeff my co-founder and buddy he's in a band and they treat everything like a business they don't go out on tour. like they'll do little like tour like little 10-day tours around the region and whatnot but they don't leave on tour unless they know for a fact that no matter what happens, they're not going to lose. They're yes. not going to have to come out of pocket. Like yeah. as far as, you know, like personal pockets, they've got their own band yeah. account, like whether they got to go sell 10,000 t-shirts to cover the cost of the tour, they know yeah. at the end of the day, it's not going to come out of their personal bank accounts. Yeah. Whereas even if like, even if they go on tour and every venue stiffed them and they didn't, get paid for anything at least everything was covered by the bank yeah yeah and i think that's what's so important and that's why i see a lot of country music artists who almost have a huge flurry of activity and then they disappear for a while it's because they've run out of money because it is expensive to go in the studio you do have to pay to have your music online and you know uh, organic marketing only takes you so far with all of the the social media algorithms and and everything like that it's a job in itself just to market the music let alone write it record it and perform it um so i think it you know there's definitely um a real advantage to looking at your music career as a business mm-hmm. and being able to put those things in place yeah. that enable you to keep going and sometimes it means you have to say no to stuff and sometimes it does mean that you have to kind of take a step back but rather than massive flurry of activity and then disappear for a year and then massive flurry, flurry of activity it allows mm-hmm. people i think to have a little bit more of a consistent career mm-hmm. and i think consistency is key like if you're the band that is known for we don't play a whole lot of shows but our music is there and yeah. you just consist like if you play 12 shows a year and that's what you do. Yeah. Play your 12 shows a year and then just be active on social and all that fun stuff. But yeah. the whole, okay, I'm going to go do 
20 shows this month and then the next three months you do two mm. you know that's a little inconsistent yeah and and then it's also really hard when you're playing all of those shows to then keep all of your other stuff going on all your social media and everything like that so yeah i think consistency and almost just being a bit more strategic with mm-hmm. with what you're with what you're doing um but obviously this is kind of my bag anyway because alongside yeah. the festival i coach predominantly women in business around how they can increase their visibility and break down their barriers to be able to kind of achieve their next goal, but also defining what success looks like for them. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really relevant. And and, and then I think about that with country on the coast as well, because I look at it and sometimes go, oh gosh, are we successful? And it's a case of, well, actually, do you know what? People are buying tickets to our show. We're having, you know, over 130 artists wanting to perform. Um, We're having to turn people away. It's about us defining our own version of success rather than trying to compete with the likes of, you know, country to country, mm-hmm. which we're never going to be able to do. Um, and I would say it's the same for for artists is, is yeah. what what does success mean to you? If it yep. means being able to put food on the table by gigging constantly, amazing. If it means having a number one in the iTunes country music charts, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Make it your own version of success rather than striving to copy what other people are doing. Yeah, it, it's funny you brought this up because I, I've been so... not in tune, but like I've been paying a lot of attention to what my drivers are for success and like just watching different podcasts, watching different YouTube videos about, you know, obviously like business strategy and stuff like that, but just um, mental health and stuff of that nature and what keeps me going and all that stuff. And I was watching a video yesterday, uh, specifically, uh, are you, you're familiar with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I was watching his daily V yesterday and he was having an internal like uh team meeting, I guess is the way to word it. And one of the guys on his team asked him how he stays motivated because he's the, the kid is having trouble staying motivated and Gary flipped it on him and asked him what his, what's his goals or what are his goals? What is success to him? And yeah. he just named off a bunch of like monetary BS, like, oh, I want to yep. make six figures, have a big car, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And then he's talking about how he can't stay motivated. And it's like, well, it's because you're going after the artificial stuff instead of actually trying to figure out what would make you happy. And just kind of watching all that unfold, it was like, oh my, that was my issue two years ago. And so, yeah, yeah it was really interesting. Yeah, and I think so. And I think it's just so applicable to to the music world in general, but also for, for country music artists who are independent and who are driving themselves forward is, you know, it, it really is a case of rather than striving for what other people have, because there are a lot of external factors that are beyond your mm-hmm. control. Um, you know, the, the people buying tickets to gigs is is somewhat beyond your control because there's an economic crisis going on in the UK and people are much tighter with what they're spending their money on because they want to make sure that, you know, they don't run out. Um, and, and I think striving to, to almost have purely monetary success, which don't get me wrong, money makes the world go around. It puts food on the table. It gets us the things that we want in life, but you have to have that level of 
fulfillment. And what I tend to do with my clients is when we look at goal setting, we look at mm. financial goal because that is still important. Yeah. But we also look at a creative goal because that actually lights our fire. Mm. Um, Country on the Coast is a, is a creative goal. If that was a financial goal for me, I'd probably say that I was a failure. But actually, it was much more about creativity, which is the second reason to set a goal, and impact, which is the third type of goal mm. that I set, is what impact are you having on other people? What impact are you having on your community? And, and set a goal around that. And I think that for me is very much, you know, I can hit my financial goals in, in other places, in other remits um, mm. with my business. I also still have an employed job. You know, I can hit my financial goals there, but country on the coast for me is all about the creative impact, mm. uh, the creativity, but also yeah. the impact that I'm having on the music industry and especially the UK country music industry. Um, and I think once you start to think about it like that, and the same for any artist, set your financials, absolutely, but be creative, set a creative mm-hmm. goal and set an impact goal. How are you having a positive impact on, on the people around you? And that I think is what brings you fulfillment. Yeah, a hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree. Um, so talking about country on the coast, we'll jump back into that for a little bit. Um, are are you doing anything new in 2023 that you haven't done in years past or is there anything no we we say we are playing it a little bit safe this year and mm-hmm. you know what i'm i'm happy with that because the economic climate has meant that people aren't buying tickets in advance mm-hmm. um this is something that i've seen across a lot of gigs mm-hmm. um and a lot of of more independent um music mm-hmm. opportunities i think it's different if it's country to country that's huge but actually even country to country i've seen a lot of chatter on social media about those those ticket prices are starting to become more uncomfortable for people. Yeah. Um, and that not as many people are booking. So I think this year it was all about really bringing um, a bit more internationality that's yeah. a word, um, yeah. in, into the lineup, having more people. So we've increased the performance slots. Um, we are repeating things. So we're repeating the line dancing, we're repeating the, mm-hmm. um, songwriters round, but we're also doing, um, a little bit more, I suppose a new thing is we're doing almost like little collaboration sets. Mm-hmm. So for example, um, the guys coming over from Texas, yeah. they're doing a collaboration set. Um, we've also got another group who are doing a collaboration set. So that's something that I thought might be a bit more interesting mm-hmm. for, um, the audience because again we're we're kind of changing it up a little bit um and i guess the other thing that we've done differently and and i'm modeling it now we've got our t-shirts we've got merch this year which i've wanted since the beginning but again it's not as simple as people going oh we want to match and and you go get it done you have to pay for it (laughs) so we've had to make sure that we're financially in the position to be able to 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 shoulder that upfront cost so yeah we've now got t-shirts which is a new thing which is i'm super excited about um and yeah i just think we've got new people coming as well people that didn't even know about country on the coast so i think it's yeah it's a bit of a consolidation year for us to go right what's going on what's the music scene doing what's the financial situation like mm-hmm. um and then we can reassess after next week um yeah. and see and see what 2024 looks like yeah for sure you know it's interesting because 2023 like you said the fact i think what really is going to help you is you're bringing over the international acts yeah and it's like oh these aren't people that we can just go next weekend and see these are musicians that they're over here for a short time. Yeah. They may be here 
next week because coming over to the UK is an expensive trip and coming yes. over for a weekend probably isn't the smartest of financial decisions. But if Very you go true. over there for like a long week and do a couple of things, but yeah. this might be the only chance we get to see him perform live, which is really interesting strategy and it's a huge gamble and then yeah. you also brought up the merchandise aspect because that's a very calculated risk because it's like you order too many t-shirts and then you're stuck with 500 t-shirts that yeah you're not going to be able then to no one wants yeah exactly exactly that and i think that's and i guess that would always be what i hope people will see and appreciate is yeah. you know we are making intentional decisions with what we're doing with the festival it might not be as big as it needs to be it might not be um you know hugely different but you know last year worked yeah. last year the feedback was incredible um and we would be silly from a business point of view to change too much um and put too much risk in at a time where like we said right at the beginning a lot of country music festivals a lot of festivals are falling by the wayside so we want country on the coast to have longevity we want to be able to keep providing that service Mm -hmm. for people in the south um you know hampshire west sussex or sussex um uh, Dorset, you know, the surrounding counties that we have that are all within quite easy travelable distance. And we've got good, you know, got train stations and everything like that nearby. Um, yeah. I, I, but the biggest thing is, is we, we still need people to come. We still need people to buy tickets because without the audience, it doesn't matter how amazing the artists are, the festival can't continue. A hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree there. Um, <laughs> so at, at what Obviously, we're still a week away from 2023 and the nerves and yes. did I do everything right or probably flowing through <laughs> yeah. your head right now. But as you kind of approach this final week to the festival, what, what's the preparation like? What's going through your mind? Are you trying to sleep a little bit more because you know those three days you're probably not going to get very much sleep or yep. what's kind of the preparation as you approach the uh, festival here? A lot of spreadsheets and a lot of lists um, because we do try and provide as many PR opportunities for mm-hmm. our artists. So we have James from Live in the Living Room coming and doing some live session recording and some interviews. Um, we have um, a couple of podcasts, radio stations that also want to do interviews. So there's a lot of scheduling yeah. um, just to make sure that everyone's in the right place at the right time. Then um, just a lot of back and forth with the venue. Have we got everything in place? Have we forgotten anything? Um, sleep, yes, Absolutely, yes. because the weekend will be crazy. Yeah. Um, and I've been kinder to myself this year in that I have actually taken off a little bit more time from yeah. work yeah. Um, to to allow myself prep time and then recovery time. Um, but yeah, just a lot of lists, a lot of going backwards and forwards. I was voice noting Rachel early on, earlier on in the week saying... Yeah. I'm not doing anything. And I feel like I should be doing so. I feel like I've forgotten something yeah. because I'm not crazy, crazy activity right now. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, we are, there are going to be things that aren't going to go according to plan. We've already had to replace two of the artists, unfortunately, yeah. due to um, illness. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm just ready and poised and yeah. you know, we'll just take each day as it comes and be kind to myself because there are things that are going to be beyond my yeah. control. And yeah. what is in my control is to, to make the best experience and for our attendees and our artists to have the best time that they can on that day. So yeah, yeah. spreadsheets, 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 and more spreadsheets. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you kind of touched on something very interesting there about 
uh, being kinder yourself, kinder to yourself. And that that's a position that I've taken a long time ago because I had a buddy not affiliated with anything I do. He's like, why are you beating yourself up so much? Because you need to take a step back and chill and not sweat the small stuff because there's so many people waiting in line right now that'll beat you up for you. Yes. Why are you trying to do it to yourself? And it's like, yeah. I never thought of it like that. Okay. Yeah. Let's reevaluate. And yeah. So, um, and it's, it's kind of funny that, uh, you turned to Rachel about, um, you're not doing anything and you feel like you should be doing something because she is probably one of the busiest people I've ever met in my life. Like I'll ask her one question on Monday and then I won't get a response till Thursday because she's got eight. And it's just like this process of, okay, yep. I've got school. I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And then I've also got to respond to you, you know, so we've had yeah. that conversation before. So. Yeah. And I think that's why we get on so well, because we're, we're very, very similar in that, you know, I've got a million and one things, she's yeah. got a million and one things. And yet I think because we both understand that uh-huh. the support is there, which I say this year has been invaluable. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, it's, I, for me, it's like, I always hate being that pestering person about, Hey, did you do this? And when on all reality, all I need is, Hey, you're good to go do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Just kind of keep it in this guidelines, reach out to yeah. whoever you want to reach out to and just kind of lay out that guideline to begin with. And then I'm good to go. And then I'll yeah. check in every once in a while. But initially it's like, okay, everything I do, I want to check in and make sure that I'm doing it right. Cause I understand the importance of branding and marketing and making sure like, Oh, Hey, this, this person, we're spending a lot of money to bring in. So we want to make sure they get enough shine and all that stuff. And, you know, this whole thing. So it's a whole balanced of, Oh, what can I do? What can't I do? You know? Yeah. But I mean, for me, never being afraid to give me a nudge. And I actually, a a few times this last week, I've had a message from somebody and I've been like, ah, yes, Yes. Good nudge. Thank you for reminding me. Let me get on that now. (laughs) For sure. For sure. So you mentioned that uh, you like once the festival's over, you're really excited and you want to jump into 2020, the next year's festival. Yeah. But realistically, when does the planning for the next festival start? Do you usually like after that initial high of let's get let's get 2024 going? Do you take a couple of months or where, where does like realistically the next plan, planning for the next year start? So last year, I, I think I started planning in. May, June time, but not in a, in a huge amount. It was a case of the artist applications went out this year. And again, this will be whether it goes according to plan or not. Again, I want to be more strategic with things. Um, I want to have ticket sales for next year's festival up and ready by the end of this year's festival. Um, Because from a marketing perspective, why would you not want to ride on that high of everyone that's just, you know, had amazing weekend and you want to, you want to get them straight in with an early bird offer, um, which I've just not been able to do over the last few years because of the way that the ticketing system has been done. So, um, you know, kind of, and that's another thing that almost we're focusing on this coming week is, is preparing for 2024. And we haven't even done 2023 yet, which is a little bit of a 
your mind is a bit like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but I, I think I will take a, a month or so to almost regroup, hopefully once the ticket information is out um, and then get the applications out. Because again, even since we closed the applications last October, I think it was, the amount of messages that I've had asking if people could perform at Country on the Coast and when the applications open. So I want to get those open probably in May. Yeah. And then I'll just take a little bit of, of time, I think, to decompress and, and look at what worked, look at what we need to change, um, look at where we're going to go next year and almost mm. start putting those plans in, in place. But it tends to get super, super busy by the end of the year, which is yeah. when the applications close. We go through them all. We start to choose the lineup. We have to get in touch with everybody. And, and again, something that's really important to me is getting in touch with everyone who wasn't successful. So rather than just leave it, of, you know, if you don't hear from yeah. us, then you haven't got through. I really do try as best as I can to contact everybody to say thank you mm-hmm. um, and to, to kind of say, please do still come or please, please do keep us on your radar because, yeah. you know, there'll be next year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, end of the year, probably kind of October through to December, then get super busy with with artist lineups and, and yeah. what's going on. And then, unfortunately, for this year, um, I wasn't very well before Christmas. So um, I had a really nasty, nasty kind of bug and and things like that and it actually knocked me out for about six weeks so as a result i was behind um so yeah i'm just hoping that for next year that doesn't happen i can kind of be ahead of the game and we can just get the artist announcements and everything like that out Mm. earlier um because it has felt a little bit of a rush promoting the festival due to me kind of just being out of the picture mm. for for so many weeks um yeah. so yeah so i think uh, maybe maybe i take a month off maybe okay. but maybe fair not enough. <laughs> fair enough you know it, it's very funny because you mentioned that uh you felt like in the making the artist announcement was such a rush and to me i've seen so many so many, for some reason a lot of festivals here in the states are waiting until the last minute so ah. like there, there's a festival that happens down in Florida that I go to, it's kind of like a mixed genre festival. And uh, like their headliner will be somebody that was had like a big moment, but now they're just kind of, you know, like, I don't want to say a one hit wonder, but they're kind of past their peak of their career. Yes. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, the last couple of years, they've waited till like the month of the festivals to start announcing wow. their lineup. And for me, it's kind of annoying because it's like, wait a minute, I have to make plans to whether I want to go cover this festival or not. Yes. And if I'm wait, if it the festival's April 27th, but you're announcing your lineup April 3rd, it's like yep. that's not enough time to make this work. And so, like the fact that you it your festival is next week, but your lineup's been out for what has it been two months? Yeah, a couple right? of months, I think. Yeah. That yeah. was a huge, huge advantage just in general. And I mean, obviously, yeah, you're going to have people drop off the schedule, like announcing yeah. it that early, you're going to have people falling off the schedule and whatnot. But luckily, it seems like you're well aware of that because, you know, you're um, you, you're able to replace them quickly, yes. which which is always good. So. Yeah. And, and I think it's a really hard balance because it's something that, again, when you're looking at it from a business perspective, if you announce it too early and people, they're not the people that the audience were expecting, it's going to affect ticket sales. 
But also what I've realized for our audience is they want to know because they're making a financial investment. And, and albeit our festival is very, very reasonably priced compared to a lot of other festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But people are wanting to make that informed decision that are they going to come for the weekend? Are they going to come for the Saturday, the Friday, the Sunday? And actually having the lineup out there did increase ticket sales a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a really, really hard balance because you you, you almost want that traditional marketing, marketing tactics, uh, kind of having that, um, you know, oh, who's it going to be? Building that yeah. excitement, building that exclusivity. Um, but actually, I find that our audience, they want they want to know. And, yeah. if, and if they don't know, they're going to ask you constantly yeah. until you get that information out there. And even down to the point of, you know, that the audience are wanting to know what time people are performing. Yeah. And I have resent, I will release that this week but i have been resisting because i know that i'm going to lose some artists i'm going to have to potentially move people around um you know for example if i lose a solo artist during um i don't know a sunday afternoon for example and the replacement is a band i've then got to jig that lineup around because i can't go from solo to bat to full band back to solo again i've got to you know be able to to kind of mix that up so yeah i've I've been reluctant to release the times but i've had a lot of people asking (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. I I do want to touch on two things really quick before we wrap this Mm -hmm. up, because I know you uh, mentioned that your son's at soccer or football practice. It was all right. It was canceled this morning. Okay. Gotcha. The pitch was too wet. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) When you said football, like in my American brain, I was like, oh, football. Okay. that And then I was like, nope, they're talking. Soccer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny because I will, like, I watch foot, like, Premier League and all that stuff. So, you know, so in my head, it's, I understand the difference, but, you know, 35 years of ingrained American culture, football (laughs) is American football. Yeah, American football. um, (laughs) But I I did want to touch on two things here really quick. The one thing that I really respect, and you touched on this a little bit ago, about your festival, Country on the Coast, and just how you're operating things, is the fact that you mentioned that even if a musician doesn't make it or doesn't make the cut for the lineup you still like to reach out to them and uh let them know like hey thank you for applying hopefully you can make it this and you know like i don't know if you include like hey these are things that would i would work on as to why we didn't pick you like you know just like feedback or whatever yeah Uh, it's difficult to do into because obviously that was a lot of people that i had to send send emails to but what we have started doing um is i actually did an interview with somebody that hopefully then that should come out soon um of almost the the what i'm looking for and i did do a blog which was published i think on behalf of um scarlet river but it was written by linda from voice of a woman Mm -hmm. um and she asked me those questions almost what advice would i would i give to people so um i have almost then tried um to, to put that out there and actually we'll reshare yeah. that information after the festival almost to yeah. kind of give people a, a a little bit of an idea but in all honesty the biggest thing is not being able to see a live performance of them yeah. or not be able to see um almost evidence of their their performing ability i know not yeah. everybody has got the finances to get professional photos done to do yeah. professional videos etc um but it's really really hard to make a decision when you can't see what somebody's like live yeah, 100%. But the I guess the reason I was bringing all that up is the humanization of it all. Like the fact mm. that you're treating everyone like they're human, you know, because yeah. like, especially like job interview, just like stuff that you have to apply for in general, and you don't even get a, 
hey, we got your application. It's yes. like that dehumanization that makes me lose respect for a lot of like institutions because it's like, oh, I'm just another one in the 10,000 that they applicants or whatever yeah. that they got. But yeah. the fact that you're trying to reach out and it's like, even if it's like, hey, thank you for applying. You didn't make, you know, just like, you know, something quick off like that. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's really just motivating for me like hey they actually saw what i said even if you didn't yes. even if it's just like i was the last one on the list and you'd already had the lineup filled you know like whatever it was even if you didn't actually see my application but you make it seem like you did like just that humanization mm -hmm. in general is really and i cool, think that's so. i think that's really important because we do we do see every single application yeah. we don't make the lineup decisions until the applications are closed yeah. and we can definitely improve there's definitely things that that i could do better yeah. um but again it's really important to me to treat the artists as individuals and as yeah. as, as humans yeah 100 percent, and i really appreciate it and then the other thing was i it's kind of funny. So like when I had the original or when I had the original intent of coming out to the UK, it was good. It was going to be last year, but I didn't have my pass. Like in my head, I was like, Oh, I'll just go over to the UK. And then I realized, Oh no, you need a passport. You need all these things to make it <laughs> yeah. like legal to make it to happen. Do. Yeah. To make <laughs> it happen. And I was talking to a few media people that I've just kind of associated with like that I've met through the years of doing this. And I was like, Oh, Hey, what do you think of this? And I'd name off a couple of festivals that I was interested in. They're like, yeah, but if you're going to come over to the UK, I wouldn't come over for that music festival. Or I would, you know, just like they, they were kind of like that. And I had asked a few different, a few people about the uh, country on the coast. And nobody said that about country on the coast is like, it was really cool about how it was like, yeah. If you're going to come over to the UK, that's a cool festival. It's different. It's, you mm -hmm. know, it, it's, it's not the biggest festival in the world, but you're going to get a real authentic experience at country on the coast. So. Oh, well, that's good. That means I'm doing something right. <laughs> yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. For anybody that wants to be on the coast and, uh, you know, attend or support in any way, where can they find all that information and where's the best way to get a hold of you if they want to, submit uh, their name for next year so um, we've got a website which is www.countryonthecoast.uk so it's just countryonthecoast.uk um, and then we are country on the coast uk on facebook instagram um, so we're all over there all of the lineup information is there all the ticket information is there um, so that's kind of the social media is probably the best place to go at the moment um, and then if you're interested in submitting an artist application or for a press pass next year um, then the applications will be coming out in may um but yeah just make sure you follow our socials make sure that you've got your notifications turned on because that is going to be the first place that we post all of that information but um yeah if anyone has any any questions or anything like that reach out via social media instagram tends to be the best because facebook tends to bury my messages yeah. um so instagram is always a, a bit of a good bet in terms yeah. of getting in touch I've, I've experienced that one myself where yeah. <laughs> I, I went and I was like, Oh, Hey, what's this? And I had three missed messages from people that I was waiting a response yeah. from. Yep. Facebook. Yes. What do you know? It's, a, it's a, got a mind of its own at the moment. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. 
But really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with us, even though we got broken up there for a quick minute. But, you know, that's the uh, joys of live recording there. Um, exactly. It, it shows how live it is. Yeah, 100%. Uh, but we'll definitely plan on being there next year. I'm already got it marked on in my calendar and just be like, hey, April, plan this. Make yes. this work. Don't injure yourself. Don't, yes. you know. <laughs> and all that fun stuff Come to the and UK. actually it's kind of yeah it, it's kind of funny because I, in my head when everything happened so i was on vacation with my dad i'll kind of keep the story short but in my head i was just like dang it okay i i'm gonna have to reschedule things because the medical bills are going to be ridiculous you know all that fun uh, stuff and yeah. i was looking at the timeline of my recovery and i was like okay they said eight weeks eight weeks would be Wednesday. So could I still make it work? And then, and so just in my head, I'm like, Wednesday, I would leave Thursday. Do I really want to cut it that close? If something like backfires or whatever. Yeah. And I went to the doctor like um, three weeks ago and they're like, yeah, you're going to be off your feet until June. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. I will not do anything crazy until June. Yeah. And then you can go crazy. Yes, yes, yes. So, <laughs> and we can't wait. But thank you so, so much for all of your, thank you for all of your support and for having me on. 